But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We're all the work of your hand. Lord, we put ourselves before you. We know we're moldable. But we want to be present to that fact. We need you to change us, to transform us, to heal us. And Lord, most of all, now in this season, in this new season, we need your fatherly goodness to abide. We love you. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Well, good evening. It's Advent. I get a little bit excited about Advent. I want you to notice a few things because we're in a new season. You got it? What do you notice first? Colors. Good. I'm starting with very basic things for those of us who are very basic. We, Jay, we see different Colors. Good. Colors. What else do you notice besides the organ? Finally, some of you have your wish. An, an organ right in the middle of everything. Uh, we, got, we got an Advent wreath over here. Do you see how dark it is back in this corner? It's not the place we send the children when they've misbehaved. Yeah, I, I'm so glad it's dark. It would be neat one day if there, you know, there was a little brighter in here. But you see this candle that we lit Thank you, Micah and Victoria. That's the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of the Advent wreath. And as the days of Advent go by, the weeks rather, what will happen to that wreath? There will be more fire. And if you'll recall the lessons I've taught you these many months, fire is good when we can contain it and control it. So, but in the middle of the darkness, in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of travail, Suffering, injustice, questions, doubt, an unconsolable mystery, there is, there's light. There's a little glimmer of hope. And it will increase. So, we're in a new season. New colors, new stuff. Did you notice some of the new prayers? We're saying these old prayers from the old prayer book. Oh, I love it. Do you love that line that says, we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. What does that make you think of when you say the word device? Your phone! 
and put it away. Unless it's your Bible. Or your recorder. Or your stat tracker. And we're like, there's tracking us. Anyway, so we've got <clears throat> new liturgy. What you'll see some more stuff. We'll say the prayer of humble access at communion. I, I want to heighten your senses to this new season. To the things that are happening around you. The things that you're going to be participating in in the liturgy. Remember, liturgy is just a word for our corporate work as a people before God. Worship is a verb. It's something that I don't do for you or Sean and the team don't do for you or for me. It's something we do together. And time is not something simply that the church passes through, but it's time is something that passes through the church. It is refracted through the church calendar and it shines forth in that the light of Christ. So, in this new season, we embark on a new liturgical year. What's liturgical again? It's the work that we do together as God's people, as God's church. We're doing a work in this new year, walking through the life of Christ as time passes through the church. And as it does, it's refracted. And through that, we see shining the light of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a new season. Now I'll talk about in a second the season that the rest of the world is going through. The script. There's a script for you. Did you know that? And it's not just a table read of a new sitcom piloting on Netflix. No, there's a script for you to follow in the month of December that the retailers and the marketers, etc., etc., have for you. We'll talk about that in a minute. In this new season, it's not uh, coincidental, I don't think, we're entering into a new season as a church. So not only do I want you to be heightened to the changes around you, prayers, etc. I want you to be heightened to what in the world God is doing in you and in me as He builds His church in East Dallas. We're in a new season where we're taking ownership for our finances. Thanks be to God. We're doing great in that. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it. We're taking ownership of our own leadership, of crafting a cohesive vision that encompasses what, what's the hope? What do we see? What does God want to do in East Dallas and the surrounding areas? What is God planting? What is it that He's cultivating in this garden-like place around us? We're going to see things in this new season, things that fall like leaves fall to the ground. Are you annoyed by the leaves? Because you have to go and rake them. Those of us who rake our own leaves. Don't be annoyed by the leaves. Let them be reminders of old things passing away and behold, new things coming. There are things that we're going to mourn the loss of. As we become our own church, we won't have that special connection that we enjoy right now with All Saints Dallas. Right now we share resources. We receive a lot of help from them as that's diminishing and as, a, and as our own sustainability is increasing. There are other changes that we'll see. We'll mourn the loss of it. We'll thank God for the gift of those things at that time. But behold, the new has come. And it's not just an organ sitting right there. Friends, God is doing a work in you and in me. Let this season of Advent not just be a season where we muscle through and we hit the Christmas parties and we have a nice time and we decorate 
and we get through it. Let it be a season where we are attentive to the transformations God is bringing about. Where we're attentive to His fatherly love for us. We're like clay, Isaiah said. Perhaps that was aspirational. Perhaps that's reality. But what's true about clay before it's fired (laughs) in the kiln? What's true about it? It's wet. It's moldable. It's ready to receive an impression. Or it's ready to be spun on the wheel of the potter. It's ready to be and to become what it was meant to be. And I think that's a word for us as a church. So I am hereby solemnly proclaiming, despite the smirk on my face, I am solemnly solemnly proclaiming this is a new season for all saints East Dallas and the church that we will become. God is good. In this new season, though, in the world around us, we see a script. Now I'm back to Advent. Did you see how I switched over? Kind of used that as a parallel. Now I'm, back to, now I'm back to Advent. There's a script for you and for me, isn't, isn't there? Did you know that people can look at my age, my income, my family makeup, where I live, and tell me what I should be like? Not because they have some vision for me, but because they've analyzed mountains of data. And they can say, oh, well, it looks like you probably prefer this kind of food and you probably exercise this many times a week and you probably prefer X, Y, and Z and you probably voted for this person in that year and that person in this year. And similarly, the world around us has a script. It has a narrative, doesn't it? Think about it for a moment. What, what, what narrative do you see in the commercials? But not just in retail space. What narrative do you see in our city, in your neighborhood, in the people around you? Well, first we should buy stuff. We should accumulate things and buy things because that's what you do at Christmas time. So, no matter what you do, cast everything aside and accumulate, have, and by all means, want more. So there's a narrative. Also, there's a narrative of it's Christmas. Now, I'm not a total jack wagon. I still like listening to Christmas music. Even now, it's December, what is it? December 3rd, so that's okay. I'm not that guy. But liturgically, in this space where time passes through the church, there's a different script. It's not Christmas yet. Because we have to put ourselves into this rhythm there you know so the world has a script for us and our lord jesus has a narrative for us that we're to enter into and tonight we hear about it from mark and man alive so jesus is on the mount of olives he's he's looking across at the temple mount he's speaking with his disciples he's talking about two different things mind you not one but two different things he's talking about a the destruction of jerusalem every time you see the phrase all these things in chapter 13 of Mark, these things are all these things, that refers specifically to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. All that stuff had to pass away. It had to become as terrible and awful as it was. It had to become like these leaves that have fallen to the side. Because who would become the temple? 
Well, Jesus in his person would become everything that the temple was meant to be, a meeting place with God, a place where sacrifice atoned for sins, but also in Christ Jesus, in him, listen for that phrase this season, in him, in Christ Jesus, you and I as a collective, as a people, as the people of God, we are the temple. When we were in Jerusalem just a few weeks ago, we had the privilege of being up on the Temple Mount where uh, Herod's temple, this great temple, which is, was two and a half times the size of the current uh, shrine, the Dome of the Rock, which is there now. So it would have been this gargantuan edifice that the, the Jewish people must have seen and just thought, hey, my gosh, how can our God not be real? Why could His enemies do anything but cower in fear? And here comes this prophet, Jesus, saying all of that, not one stone will be left upon another. And we went and we touched the western wall. And it was, it was a holy moment, but it was also a moment of irony. Because as I touched it and, and thought, the reason this is really precious to the Jewish people is because this is the closest place to the old holy of holies. And so they go there, they, they pray there, they put little prayers and they you know, roll them up in scrolls and I was wearing my yarmulke. And I'm there and then I, just in a moment of epiphany, I realized, well, Jesus undid all of this. The old things have passed away. It doesn't mean the old things were bad or wrong, but there's something new and better that swallows the old up. Because the old did what to Jesus? It pointed towards Him. It prefigured Him. It invited the people of God who had the promises of God, who heard the voice of God and the Word of God. It invited them to behold in our Lord Jesus the reality that we were meant to live, the narrative of salvation in Christ. So the world has for us a narrative. But when we read the go this Gospel of Mark, we think about the end coming. It's interesting, isn't, isn't it? There's a, a scholar who I've been reading this week, week named William Lane. And he talks about the second coming of Christ. So the two events that Jesus talks about in Mark 13, the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, when he says all these things. But when he talks about that day, he's using an Old Testament term, the day of the Lord, that day, to talk about the glorious appearing of Jesus, the second coming of Christ. And in Advent, we anticipate, we long for, we redirect our desires toward the second coming of Jesus in order to prepare ourselves to celebrate and to feast. Do you like to feast? I do. We engage in a bit of a fast so that we can feast in those 12 days of Christmas, so that we can glory in the radiant light of Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, the eternal Word of God made flesh. So, this scholar says, for the triumph of the Son of Man, for this second coming of Jesus, that is the event in light of which the contradictions of this present age are illumined and resolved. When you and I think about our present story right now, the narrative or the script that we live in, what do we, what do we think about? What do we see? Oh, everything's great, Jay. I'm awesome. Well, maybe. 
You are, you are awesome. But we also see and feel injustice, brokenness, sin, the effects of the fall. They're rife. They're rampant everywhere. We've had things done to us. We've done things to people. There are things that we've left undone that are evidence of this brokenness. And so, in the coming of the Son of Man, in the return of Jesus, that gummit in this microphone, there we go. In heaven, there will be no microphones. Not that I don't love microphones or people that operate them. I love them and respect them and submit to their authority because they have the mute button. Let that just be said. What am I talking about? Would you like to spend a day in my mind? <laughs> i got four minutes to preach another 20-minute sermon. But we, we experience pain and injustice. It's all around us. And that's good. I'm not here to tell you, oh, don't have suffering, don't have pain, don't see injustice. You have to, because if you're not, you're not being real. You're being one of those Christians who's like, everything's great, I'm fine, yes, okay, great, everything's perfect. That is not what God is cultivating here. He's bringing together people who are authentic, who are real about their struggles. Really? Nazareth? As one disciple said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That sounds more like it. So when we look at life, we behold that stark contrast. And we see the injustice and the pain, and we hold it up in comparison with the healing and the justice that will come with the return of Christ. And what do we see in that, in that contrast? We see hope. We have something to hope for. That Not that we just make a good living, send our kids to college, die without any major diseases, don't have any you know, terrible reversals. But we hope for the new creation. We hope for what's coming. There's an echo of it in us even now. We hope for His coming again because He will set all things right. We just sing that. Everything that is wrong, He will make right. We hope for His coming because we will be fully and finally healed. Friends, we pray for healing every Sunday. I have a friend who comes here sometimes. She goes to All Saints Dallas sometimes and she has just been diagnosed with even more cancer in her body. And I pray for her healing. But I'm intimidated. It's foreboding. It's terrifying. We hope for His coming again because the brokenness that has beset all of creation will be swallowed up by the beauty of the new creation. We hope for His coming again because in a sense, like our friend Samwise said, everything sad will indeed become untrue. But not yet. And that's what Advent's all about. It's the tension of we see it, we long for it, we want it, but not yet. So what do we do? Well, we fast. 
in this new season where we follow the script of our Lord Jesus. We fast. And it's not a fast of, well, I'm not going to eat meat on Fridays and I won't watch Netflix on Saturday morning between 3 and 5 a.m. and I won't do this and I won't do that. But it's more of a fast where we redirect our desires. I, man, I love Christmas. I love stuff. I want to get new stuff. I want to get more stuff and, and fill up my house. That's normal for me. That's normal for you. But this is a season where our Lord Jesus, in his narrative, invites us to redirect our desires. What did he say to the disciples? Therefore, the old King James says, watch therefore. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. Will he come at evening or at midnight? Or when the rooster crows are in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. We know when Christmas is going to get here, December 25th. But there's this deep mystery in this passage that Jesus says, but not, not even the Son of Man knows. It doesn't mean that Jesus, that his all-knowing knowledge is limited. It just means that it's a mystery that Only the Father knows when the Son of Man will come. And so we fast. We redirect our desires in the kind of way where we can prepare ourselves not only for December 25th, or in our case, December 24th, 5 p.m., a kid's pageant, candle lighting. You don't want to miss it if you're in town. Not only to prepare ourselves for that feast, but also to prepare ourselves for His coming again. Well, Jay, what what are we fasting from? Well, it's not that we're fasting from things, but we want to do the works. What did that colic say? Give us grace to cast away, but cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. What did the parable that Jesus told briefly in Mark 13 say? That the master of the... It's like a master of the house, and He went away, and what did He give to His servants? They gave him stuff to do. We've talked about this now the last two weeks. The talents. God has entrusted you with good works that he's prepared beforehand for you to walk in. And last week, there there are these good works of taking care of the least of these with whom our great king and judge identifies himself most closely. The prisoner. The naked. The hungry the orphan. There are works for us to do. And it's curious, isn't it? Blessed microphones. It's curious that Jesus says, and what I say to you, disciples, I say to all, stay awake. Friends, in this season of life, whether the Lord should come again in our lifetimes or we die and go to be with Him, No matter, we're invited to stay awake. We stay awake by doing those works. But doesn't mean you got to get busy. Doesn't mean you need to be frenetic. Well, Jay said I need to do stuff, so I better volunteer for that. I better do this, and I'm going to have to have this and that. Some of you, your work, do you know what it is? Is to be still. Is to shut your mouth and listen. Notice the changes He's bringing about. Look at the leaves that have fallen. 
the dead things that have passed away and watch for the transformation that He's bringing about in your life. He wants us to stay awake. He wants us to take the longing that we have and put it to work. Laboring. Serving in His kingdom. That's our fast this season. So we're in a new season liturgically. We're in a new season as a church. We have this beautiful invitation from the judge of all things, the creator of all things, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God and His eternal Word. We have an invitation from Him to live into the hope that He will bring to us to make all things right. Not some things right, or not things right for that guy or this lady or this family or a man. It always goes well for them, but for every one of us. Some of us need some hope. Hope is coming. Goodness is coming. Justice is coming. But we have to trust the one who's bringing it. We have to stay awake. Let's redirect our desires, friends. And may He give birth to those good things in us, even now, as we stay awake, as we wait, and as we watch. Let's pray. God, we love You more than we can describe, and we need You more deeply than we can articulate. Lord, pour out Your Holy Spirit now that our eyes may be focused on You, Lord Jesus, that we may be able to stay awake in the midst of persecution and trial, in the midst of the mundane, in the midst of depression, in the midst of just numbness and indifference. Teach us now. Lord, don't let us waste these next 21 days. But let us dive first, head first, wholeheartedly into this season of Advent that we could live the rest of this season of our lives well for you. In Jesus' name, amen.